Welcome to the Environmental Leadership Chronicles, a podcast brought to you by the California Association of Environmental Professionals. In this episode, we feature Bill Halligan, Matt Klopfenstein, and Kristen Blackson discussing their work with the AEP Legislative Committee. Bill Halligan is Senior Director and Senior Environmental Counsel with Harrison Associates. He has prepared hundreds of environmental documents for a diverse range of projects throughout California. As a member and former chair of AEP's Legislative Review Committee, Bill works directly with the state legislator and AEP's lobbyist, Matt Klopfenstein, on proposed legislation related to CEQA. Matt Klopfenstein is a partner at Cal Advisors, and he represents clients in legislative and regulatory arenas. He also specializes in technology, energy, environment, water, transportation, and local government policymaking. Matt serves as the Legislative Policy Director and Lobbyist for AEP. And we welcome back Kristen Blackson. Kristen is Vice President of Environmental Planning with WSP and Co-Chair of the AEP Legislative Committee, where she has successfully advocated for revising and creating sequel legislation that benefits practitioners and the public throughout California. She shares her expertise as a professor for the UCSD Extension CEQA Certificate Program. The Legislative Committee provides analysis, prepares comment letters, and conducts direct lobbying on legislative bills relating to CEQA. On this podcast panel, Bill, Matt, and Kristen discuss CEQA policy related to topics such as housing, noise ordinance, and sports. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy this episode. Hello. Hi. Um, It's good to be here with some fellow Legislative Committee members. Uh, My name is Kristen Blackson. And I've been um, serving on the Legislative Committee for about eight years, but not as long as Bill and Matt have been uh, working on the Legislative Committee. I work as a CEQA consultant for WSP um, and also for AEP. I serve as our uh, director at large. um, And I also have been serving as the co-chair of of our Legislative Committee. um, And it is absolutely my favorite thing to do for AEP. So that's my introduction, Bill, please. All right. Good to see you, Kristen and Matt. Good to be with you. Uh, my name is Bill Halligan. Uh, I am the, uh, until recently, I was AEP uh, state president where I served two terms. So I am still a member of the board as the um, immediate past president, and I'm a member of the Legislative Review Committee. And then uh, I also work for a consulting firm named Harrison Associates, where I serve as senior director and senior environmental counsel, um, primarily in the practice of California uh, CEQA law, California Environmental Quality Act compliance and uh, entitlement work as well. Great. Matt, you want to go ahead and introduce? Sure. Uh, Matt Kloppenstein. I am a partner at California Advisors. Uh, We are a lobbying firm up here in Sacramento. Um, I have had the pleasure of working with AEP for almost 10 years now, I think, or around 10 years. Um, And I am on contract with AEP to help provide lobbying, uh, advocacy services, and consulting services here in Sacramento as it relates mostly to the state legislature, uh, but also a little bit of work with the uh, state agencies. so helping AEP, working with the Legislative Review Committee to analyze bills, uh, weigh in on bills, and kind of just maintain our relationships and uh, uh, connection to the state legislature. Great. So that's what we're here today to discuss is the Legislative Committee, uh, the work that we do, um, and um, and filling in our members about you know 
about our activities there um, and what we have been doing in the past uh, eight or 10 years working with the legislator on uh, CEQA, CEQA issues, uh, CEQA bills, uh, lately CEQA reform. Um, so what is the purpose of the AP Legislative Committee? And when when do you, I'm thinking eight to 10 years ago, but how long has AP been um, in Sacramento working with um, legislators? Well, actually, so the AEP Legislative Review Committee goes way, way uh, further back. Um, so my first uh, capital trip was was probably in the early 2000s, so, so more like 20 years ago. Wow. And um, our lobbyist at the time was named Alan Lind, and, and Alan Lind retired. And so... Um, I, myself, along with Gene Talmadge, it was our job to find a new lobbyist, and we interviewed several firms, and um, and we we met uh, Matt's partner, Will Gonzalez, and the, the group at Cal Advisors, and um, that was probably 15 years ago, and oh, um, wow. we couldn't, uh, you know, we couldn't have picked a, a better group, and and. Uh, Will and Matt have just done an unbelievable job for AEP and really raising our presence um, at, at the Capitol and in Sacramento. I agree. Anything to add, Matt? Uh, no, I think the the history or kind of the you know long term approach that we have as the legislative committee is is really being subject matter experts, um, and so that's it's been really great to develop. I think a very robust legislative committee that has definitely, as as both of you can attest to, has evolved over the years. Um, obviously, the membership changes a lot, but uh, and has developed really like a core of the Legislative Review Committee that really, at this point, truly understand how the legislature works, how bills work, um, have really good political reads now, uh, just because we've all been doing this for a long time. So, yeah, yeah I, mean, I mean, I was very, very... I had uh, no idea the first time <laughs> that we came. I mean, I wasn't even sure about the process, you know, how there are two houses and each each house has to hear the bill and then they flip. Um, I, you know, I was completely unaware of all that process. So I do remember just picking your brain the first time we were walking the halls. I probably had a thousand questions for you. Who's that? What do they do? <laughs> and now <laughs> and now everybody's a, a, a grizzled veteran. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah and it, um, one of the one of my favorite um, uh, things about participating on the legislative review committee is our you know capital days that we do uh, with you every year, and then as part of that, um, we do a, a CEQA hot topics um, course with uh, legislators and staffers, and uh, Kristen and I we we've, we've done that for the last several years. Um, and it's a, a a really great opportunity to you know teach new legislators and staffers about CEQA, about some of the issues that that we face, and and um, just keep them updated, and also let them know about AEP, and you know, and just let them know that we're here as a resource if they have any bills related to you know the environment or the California Environmental Quality Act. Yeah, Matt. Would you expand upon that a little bit more? Because I think that's important for people to know that that our role there at the Capitol, not only during Capitol days, but all year long, is really a resource. Um, 
you know, we, we do sometimes choose bills to either, you know, rare, very rarely oppose or, or uh, be a proponent for, but mostly we are there for a resource. And, and I enjoy that neutrality that we have when we go and visit. Yeah, absolutely. The, I think the, we really bring a lot of value with the, both the lobby day where we kind of, you know, for those who don't know, we essentially sometimes are in multiple groups, but usually in one group and go about the Capitol, spend a whole day meeting with as many offices as we can. Um, it can be a little bit frantic, but um, really trying to spread around and talk to as many members of the relevant committees that we work with and the key staff people who handle those, the issues that we, that we focus on whether it's CEQA, housing, um, other environmental issues. So that, and then also our CEQA hot topics or CEQA 101 presentations are really valuable because, you know, CEQA is complicated, um, <laughs> uh, you know, and it takes, you know, there's an army of people who do it literally every day. <clears throat> and so to expect legislators or their staff to really fully understand it um, when most of them have never worked in CEQA before, um, you know, and, and they're being pulled in a thousand directions. Uh, the legislators are, whether they're needing to deal with healthcare and then jump to their next meeting is about energy and their next meeting is about, uh, you know, internet privacy issues. So, uh, to have us, you know, our, our goal is really to just, you know, ensure that, that folks know that AEP is here to be a resource to them the same way we are to our members, um, help educate on how SQL works. Um, and just make sure that people have at least the baseline understanding of, of kind of what CEQA is and what it's meant to do. So both the, the lobby day and then also the, the, you know, the annual presentation we do are both super valuable for that. Yeah. And you guys have been, you know, going to the Capitol longer than I have, but I feel in the last, you know, few years, the, not only the interest, but the knowledge of CEQA and what we do um, is just, has been increasing. And, you know, every, every time we go, I, you know, I feel like staff is more informed. Um, and I think that uh, that helps a lot when they're dealing with, um, you know, all the issues that they need to deal with. I'm very impressed by all of them. They're Renaissance people. <laughs> they yeah, know a lot about. Mm -hmm. it, it's nice. We, you know, we've um, raised the awareness of AEP and, and, um, now legislators will actually reach out to Matt and just like, Hey, we're thinking about a bill in this space. And then, you know, Matt can, it brings it to the legislative review committee. And then we really want to, you know, um, uh, we want to make sure that the bill actually achieves, um, what it's intended to achieve and it doesn't end up, you know, making things, making CEQA harder to implement. So I think that's really where we, that, that's the role that we provide the legislature. Agreed. So uh, so we've been doing this for a while um, and you guys have a lot of background on it. Um, perhaps this year, can you provide a recap of uh, maybe some of the hot topics that we heard uh, while we recently were in the Capitol, which was last week, correct? Or the week before? The 13th and 14th. Oh, no, it was, uh, yeah, that was last, last week. week. Yeah. Yes. And I have to say it was particularly difficult this year in that downpour storm slash wind to walk around the offices. Still yeah, fun. Yeah, that was, that was pretty insane. Um, 
the yeah, so a couple of the, the big things um, that that were brought up, and I'll let Bill fill in a few as well. But I think you know the biggest, and it's no secret, or and probably no surprise that this is the biggest CEQA issue that people want to talk about is housing, um, especially infill housing seems to be the the really the focus. Um, <clears throat> whether it's all the news articles about you know local governments uh, uh, not allowing certain projects, um, CEQA often being cited as as kind of the obstacle or litigation from neighborhood groups. Um, there is a lot of attention from folks in the legislature uh, wanting to talk about, you know, ways to adjust CEQA specifically, it seems like. Uh, most of the talking points seem to be about housing. Um, but whether it's changing CEQA or allowing projects to get around CEQA, like uh, SB 35, um, it uh, I think that is far and away the, the, the topic of the day for sure. Yeah, absolutely. You know, almost everyone we met with, you know, housing, housing's definitely top of mind. Um, you know, when when Governor Newsom was was running for election um, for his first term, he identified a goal of constructing 500,000 units a year for seven years um, um, that for you know a total of three and a half million units to to address the housing crisis here in California. And then at the the end of, was it 2018, the legislature passed a, a number of, of housing related bills to, to really, uh, you know, hopefully help streamline the production of housing. And, you know, four years later, you know, we're, we're a little above, you know, 110,000 units a year of production, um, far short of the 500,000. And um, and we're not even back to, you know, be pre pre two thousand eight recession. We were building about two hundred thousand units a year. So we're not, you know, we're just barely over half of what we were pro were producing pre um, pre uh, recession. So they're, you know, they've given local agencies a lot of tools to to help streamline infill housing and affordable housing projects. Um, yet that we're we're not seeing the production, you know, uh, ramp up, and and so the legislature is very concerned, and the governor's very concerned that local agencies are are not doing their part. You know, for instance, um, city of Huntington Beach and my city, and they're <laughs> they're constant uh, fighting with Sacramento on housing. Correct. Yeah. Um a lot of frustration with housing and, and, um, you know, as, as we try to explain, you know, that it's sequa is a piece of that puzzle, you know, and to focus only on sequa, you know, there's, you know, there's a whole system in which we need to address housing. Um, but we do have, we, we are not opposed to, uh, providing more efficiencies in the way sequa addresses housing at all in any way. Um, AEP, you know, we are, we are, uh, you could tell us, Bill, but we have a, a tenant, a goal to achieve, you know, proper housing or housing in the proper places in the proper location. Right. We, yes. so, so AEP, um, has an adopted public policy program and every, every, uh, several years, we, we revisit that program, our policy program. 
and it it sets out our legis our, our legislative goals, um, and you know we 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 have a very wide and diverse um, membership in AEP. Um, you know, sequel practitioners and biologists and engineers, attorneys, um, air quality specialists, and we um, we really feel that development of housing in urban areas um, prevents uh, a lot of environmental impacts that would otherwise occur, like with greenfield development. So we promote um, streamlining uh, for affordable housing, uh, streamlining for infill housing, um, because if, if you don't allow it in existing urban areas, it's going to be pushed out to to you know further and further out away from jobs, um, greenfield areas where there's you know significant biological resources, um, you know also forcing you know longer commutes and a whole host of traffic and air quality and GHG impacts. Um, so we you know we uh, wholeheartedly support promotion of uh, you know. Uh, housing and uh, various housing types within existing urban areas. Agreed. Um, are there any current uh, legislative acts or bills or intent to modify CEQA in ways that would allow for this type of housing? There are quite a few efforts uh, underway. It's certainly uh, one of the big topics um, being discussed. Um, I mentioned earlier briefly, uh, SB 35 is one of the examples that the legislature has done in the past. Um, that bill actually sunsets in about a year and a half. Um, and so there is a big effort underway this year by Senator Scott Weiner from San Francisco, who authored SB 35, to, um, to, to renew that bill, to extend the sunset and make some, some uh, changes to SB 35 as well. But uh, mostly he wants to extend the sunset and extend the life of that, uh, you know, program, if you will, um, to offer ministerial approval of certain housing projects. Um, so that has been one way that uh, the legislature has has essentially created CEQA exemptions is by creating ministerial approval processes uh, for certain types of projects, um, SB 35 being the most significant. Um, AB 2011 uh, was another bill last year by Assemblymember Wicks. Um, the past to do uh, a similar by right approval process. So getting to bills this year, um, Senator Wiener's bill is SB 423. Um, so that will be one significant one. Um, Senator Wiener also has another bill to promote this sort of uh, kind of urban housing development. Um, SB 4 is the number of that one. And that one is uh, meant to offer ministerial approval for certain types of housing projects on essentially on, on the property that's already owned by faith-based faith, uh, uh, faith -based institutions. Um, so looking at, you know, churches, synagogues, mosques, um, and then also uh, certain types of um, housing projects that are on land owned by universities for development of student housing. So that's what his uh, SB4 would do. Um, and again, those would be ministerial approval processes um, so it would be a, a essentially a CEQA exemption. 
the ministerial processes do not require discretionary action, right? They're more of a checkbox, which would address some of the concerns that uh, CEQA adds additional red tape to um, an already, you know, necessary approval in urban areas, correct? Correct, yeah. So CEQA is triggered by discretionary actions. So if it's ministerial, it's not subject to CEQA. Yeah, and the legislature has seemed to like doing those type of uh, uh, exemption bills um, when they're when they're able to do them uh, because it also uh, takes away some of the control from the local government as well, um, where they could you know hold up projects. But if it's a buy right approval process, um, then the developer has more likelihood of getting it through. So that seems to have become a, a popular tool. Um, with the legislature. And I think with very various success across the state, right, with various jurisdictions using ministerial processes very successfully to get these type of housings. And I think the city of Fresno has a, a, a ministerial process uh, for all housing projects which meet VMT requirements. So it's, um, it's, it's, it's somewhere to go. It takes, you know, a, a land use agency and uh, decision makers to be behind that. Um, as Bill had said, there are certain cities who are fighting additional housing who don't, you know, in my opinion, believe that they're actually cities. <laughs> well, <laughs> I don't know if I want to touch city. this one, but uh, <laughs> um you know, there are definitely cities that have made a commitment to building, um, you know, higher density housing, how, you know, housing at all income levels, affordable housing, and using the tools, you know, I think city of LA does a great job, city, city and county of San Francisco, yes. the city of Anaheim has, has made a, a real commitment to housing. Um, but there are a lot of cities out there that, um, you know, mostly suburban areas um, that, and it's not really, it's not always the the electeds. Oftentimes it's just, it's the constituents. And if you talk about four-story housing or, you know, apartments or condos, the, the, the public just freaks out. And, and, there's, there's really no political cover for council members. If they, you know, they may have a personal uh, commitment or desire to approve housing, but oftentimes it's political suicide to approve high density housing. Um, So it, you know, I I don't put all the blame on local electeds because they're, they're in a tough spot. And which some of, so the state's reaction is to, like Matt said, try to take some of those decision maker making uh, options away from local agencies and, and mandating. Um, well, yeah. So they, um, the, the housing bills that passed in 2018, um, a number of those added teeth to, um, to, you know, housing element law and, and the RENA allocation, which the reason region, uh, regional, uh, housing needs assessment, um, and so it it has been difficult um, in this this cycle for a, a lot of um, a lot of local 
the cities to get a compliant housing element. So as part of that, the legislature um, to encourage cities to get their housing element in compliance, there's a number of things like the builder's remedy. Basically, if your housing element is out of compliance, any um, builder can come in, even if it doesn't have the proper zoning for housing, um, they can they can go ahead and submit a tentative map for housing for an affordable housing project, and it's it's non discretionary, so it it it's a buy right housing proposal, and that's one of the issues that the city of Huntington Beach is fighting. They don't um, they do not like the builder's remedy, and they do not have a compliant housing element at the moment. So. Yes. Not to change the subject, it reminds me of the new baseball rule that it, you have to pitch within 20 seconds. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and if you don't right. make it, yeah, and the batter doesn't make it, doesn't he have to just uh, get a strike or something? And Or if the pitcher doesn't make it, the batter makes it to base. Right. There's Yeah, there's a whole bunch of new rules in baseball this mm -hmm. year. Right? I'm, even the players in spring training, they're having trouble <laughs> keeping up with them. Yeah. The housing element is the same way. If you don't have one, then fine. Anything goes, right? You get to go to yeah, base. Ba basically, yeah. <laughs> basically, you, yeah, you can, uh, yeah, you get a walk to first base or even, uh, you know, a, a home run. <laughs> you get your project approved by right. So um, housing of all kinds, I think, is already demonstrated what we need in California. Um, you know, student, ho student housing, affordable housing, teacher housing, worker housing, mid housing, uh, you know, we just don't need any more luxury or transient or, you know, temporary housing. Um, there is a recent case that AEP has had podcasts on about uh, the Berkeley case, um, which is all about student housing um, and the fight to keep, you know, this student housing from occurring by the, um, by the surrounding community, like you were saying, you know, high, high level opposition to this public housing um, has, what is the history with that? Has the legislators done, um, I know that there was a fix quickly last year um, and that the, the issue is now boiling down to um, noise of students or noise, um, how noisy any residents will be. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, um, Matt, do you want to talk about um, the appellate court case last year and then the legislative fix? And then I can talk about what's what's going on this year. Sure. Um, I will not remember the bill number from last year, but I can uh, give much of the info. Um, folks will remember uh, that there was a, uh, a court case last year that would have held that uh, UC Berkeley could not admit um, the higher level of students that they had planned to admit that year. Um, and they cited CEQA as the reason for that because they had not uh, properly analyzed um, and accounted for this increased in increased student population. Um, and the legislature uh, responded very quickly. Um, there was pretty much immediate uproar within Sacramento. Um, about the idea that some students who, some of whom had already been admitted um, and accepted uh, enrollment at UC Berkeley um, could have been forced to either choose another school or have to attend remotely. Um, and so 
the legislature I, I it was like 3,000 <laughs> students would have to be turned it was, away. Yeah, it was over 3,000. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the legislature acted very quickly there. They passed uh, what we call a budget trailer bill, um, which means it gets enacted immediately and takes effect immediately. Um, that overruled that decision um, and also made changes to <clears throat> the uh, the university student planning process generally. Um, so they still have to conduct the planning process they do. It's still subject to CEQA. Um, and, and so they, they will still do the, all the analyses that they are currently doing. But the remedies, uh, if a court were to find that any part of that analysis is not proper, um, can, the remedy can no longer uh, result in this kind of immediate reduction of, of student population. Um, there would have to be, I believe it's 18 month lead time to give the opportunity to the university to make whatever changes they needed to do in the analysis. Um, so it essentially gets rid of the ability for, for a court to make a similar finding like they did last year. Um, so that was very quick action by the legislature uh, via a, a budget trailer bill. Um, and then uh, obviously we, the <laughs> UC Berkeley is, is back in the news again for another sequel case. So I'll let yeah. Bill uh, handle this one. Yeah. So the, so for the past two years, right before our capital days visit, there has the appellate court has ruled against um, housing within People's Park on the campus of UC Berkeley. Um, so that that was last year. This year, another the, the same appellate court um, again struck down the EIR for the People's Park project. Um, stating that it did not adequately analyze noise from students and I guess uh, carving out student population is being noisier than general residential population. And, you know, I guess students, students party and the EIR didn't look at the potential for students to be partying and having impacts on the adjacent uh, residents, the adjacent community off campus. And I guess it, there's, it's, it's been a very contentious relationship, just like many universities, um, you know, they struggle with their relationship with the surrounding community. And there's a, 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 a NIMBY group in, in, uh, uh, in Berkeley that, that has a history of suing UC Berkeley anytime they, they try to do something. So it was the same, same group. Um, uh, and they they sued again. The court ruled that the 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 CEQA analysis was inadequate because of noise. And so as a result, um, this year we have a bill. Um, it's a a spot bill relating to noise. It's uh, AB thirteen oh seven by Assembly Member Buffy Wicks, and it will be a a very small carve out. Um, to exempt um, amplified noise from, no, sorry, unamplified noise from population, residential populations. So that would no longer be considered an impact under CEQA. Unamplified noise. Oh. Unamplified, yeah. Now, amplified noise, you know, would, would be protected or would be, um, governed by the local noise ordinance. So you could be really loud without music 
past 10 and it's okay because it's not subject to the noise ordinance. Right. You're it, seeing well, with, with this bill, with this bill that um, voices, you know, it, as long as it's unamplified or okay. if it's Bill Halligan, Halligan playing acoustic guitar. <laughs> so yeah, as long as you're not plugged in. Yeah, as long as as long as I don't plug in, I think I'm I, I'm exempt from sequel. You just have, have would, to go back and become a a, a student. <laughs> yes, which I would love to do. That'd be great. <laughs> just to demonstrate to them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and just uh, process wise, so this bill is is brand new, obviously. Um, and the legislative session is just getting started. So it has not been heard in committees yet. Um, I think it it'll, you know, has a long way to go before uh end of session in September. Um, and so I think, you know, AEP's legislative committee has taken a look at this bill to kind of think through whether this actually even solves the Berkeley situation. Um, mm -hmm. you know, if it only is saying that unamplified uh voices. Uh, are no longer a uh, substantial impact under CEQA. Does that leave open the opposition to still make a claim that, well, you know, what we're really worried about is parties where, uh, you know, students are listening to music, which is amplified. Mm -hmm. So it may not actually do much to to resolve the um, the situation that that Berkeley found itself in. So I think it's it's going to be an interesting discussion on this bill to see. See what, if anything, they they do to change it to really try and carve out really just residential noises generally mm -hmm. as not a CEQA issue. I think they should just pay for more police <laughs> to enforce the noise ordinance that exists. Something tells me the uh, students of Berkeley would like that even less than uh, <laughs> than additional CEQA analysis. <laughs> So, yes, tell, um, as we wrap up, so can you expand a little bit? So, you know, while we go early in the bill season to discuss the legislators, we're still tracking these bills as they go. And they do often change so much that often we don't even need to get worked up about it until, you know, a certain point where we know, right? Is that correct? Yeah, so um, the legislature introduces about 2,500, 2,600 bills um, every year. Uh, at the end, usually somewhere around 1,000 of those become law, um, sometimes a little bit less, sometimes a little bit more. Um, so obviously a lot fall by the wayside as they go through the process. And basically every bill goes through multiple rounds of amendments um, as it makes its way through the, the kind of up and down legislative process. Um, the as you kind of mentioned before, you know, there's two houses, so both house has to approve of every single bill. Um, and we're actually about a month and a half or so away from when all those bills actually about two months away from when all the bills have to move from their first house to their second house. Um, and so a lot of you know, a lot of folks joke that that's when the real work starts to happen on a bill, it's gotten out of its first house, but then once it's in the other house, um, that's when like real amendments start to happen, real work starts to happen. Um, so there's still a long way to go on, on the many, many bills. I think we've got about 75 bills or so that AEP's legislative committee is, is monitoring. Um, and so we are, you know, starting with the most significant first and trying to vet those um, and see if there's anything we need to comment on um, early in the session. And then also, you know, we had lots of really great conversations last week with uh, policymakers 
and have a lot of questions from them asking, asking, well, do you have any advice for this or do you have any suggestions here? Um, and so the, the legislative review committee is also working on all of that uh, to try and be responsive uh, early in the session too, so. Anything to add, Bill? Um, no, you know, it's, yeah, I think uh, Matt covered it. Um, we're in the first year of a two-year legislative session. And, um, you know, I, I have seen, you know, there's what's called gut and amend. Um, I remember um, back in, I believe it was 2013, um, SB 743, the bill, we're tracking a bill, you know, uh, AAP's following it nothing earth shattering. And then at the very end of the legislative session, uh, SB 743 turned into a bill to exempt the Sacramento Kings arena from CEQA. And then it, um, it adopted, it changed how we looked at traffic from level of service to vehicle miles traveled. And, and we were scrambling at the very end to because it it was kind of innocuous, and then then they added all this stuff at the very end, and we were tr you know trying to comment, but it was the the train had left the station. Ship had sailed. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, gotten amends are still uh, still a common thing. Um, we now have the seventy two hour rule, uh, which has been one of the best uh, <laughs> laws that the the people of California have passed by initiative that makes all bills be in print for three days before they can be voted on. Um, so it helps the, the last, you know, last minute deal making and, uh, uh, you know, prevents gotten amends on the last night of session, thankfully. Um, but it doesn't mean they don't happen uh, three days before session. <laughs> yeah. I think the problem with that particular gut and men was, you know, the, the naysayers of, of the sequel process will say, well, you can exempt an entire stadium. You know, why can't you, right? Why can't well, the you legislature can. <laughs> Understood. But, you know, it's still, it. for those that aren't familiar, you know, with how CEQA works and how CEQA is amended, you know, it's it. we are the face of CEQA, right? We, we practice it, we consult it. So I feel like we get the majority of the, the brunt of the issues. Um, and that's always one I hear is, you know, how does CEQA work for, you know, the legislators deciding that such a large stadium is exempt. But it's a process. And and that King's Arena was just the first of what's become many. Um, I think just about every every ballpark uh, since then, uh, several in L.A., uh, the Bay Area, um, mm -hmm. have all gotten similar treatment uh, in CEQA. Right. So. Yep. The doors were oh, open. It's like the, the ultimate statement of overriding considerations. Yeah. <laughs> I want this. <laughs> yes, yes. The Kings need to stay in Sacramento. Give them That's a new right. arena. Yeah. And I will say it's how they uh, <laughs> finally coming to fruition uh, with our first winning season and uh, playoff appearance since that bill passed. So, yes. Like the beam. It's it's nice. I I have been able. I've seen some events there at the at the new arena. Yeah, and it's, it's a good nice stadium. that it's it's right downtown. That's that's really great. Well, it was really great to talk to you guys today. Um, I'm glad that we had a chance to fill in our members and 
and everyone uh, about what we do on the legislative committee. And um, as always, I so much appreciate Matt's help and um, organizing us and keeping us involved and on time. And it's just really, it's a pleasure. Thank you, Matt. It is my pleasure. Yes, uh, I, I I will just um, do a shout out. Um, there does appear to be some appetite for CEQA reform uh, at the legislature. So if any uh, uh, AEP members or CEQA practitioners watching this have some ideas for, um, you know, maybe some some tweaks to CEQA that, that might help, um, you know. Particularly uh, when it comes to housing and making yeah, it. Yeah, especially you know, affordable housing and, and housing mm-hmm. in general, um, you know, uh, please email um, Kristen, myself, or, or Matt, and um, you can find our email addresses on the AEP website, which is califaep.org. Thank you all. Okay. All right. Thanks, Kristen. Great to see you guys. Nice to see Thanks, you. Matt. Bye. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to be updated when new episodes are released and leave us a review to let us know what you think. It also really helps us to share the podcast with others who may enjoy learning about the environmental industry. If you want to submit a shout out or any feedback, please send an email or voice memo to podcast at califaep.org. The email again is podcast with an S, podcast at califaep.org.